Matthew chapter 7, we'll read uh, verse 1 down through verse 6, and then we'll begin to break them out and talk about them a little bit. Jesus says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give to give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. And so this morning, again, we want to talk about this teaching and a set of teachings in particular. And we're just going to focus on verse one and two this morning. But I need to remind you that uh, verse one and two and then uh, three, four uh, and then five, six, they, all of them fall under one main umbrella. And that umbrella is the umbrella of discretion. And so it's going to be necessary for us this morning to talk about these things in context. And so uh, let's begin by just talking about what what is discretion? If all of these teachings, uh, all these individual teachings, which collectively have to deal with the disciple and discretion, well, what really is discretion? And so let's just begin there if we can. Uh, Merriam-Webster, great resource, you know, just go to the trusted guide, right? Uh, Merriam-Webster would, would define discretion as this. Discretion is the quality of having or showing discernment or judgment. The quality of having or showing discernment or judgment. And, and that's, that's really a big deal because if I'm telling you that all three of these passages have to do with discernment, that what I'm telling you is that the Bible would say that in most circumstances in life, a disciple of Jesus needs to have the ability to show discernment or discretion. And, and what that means for us, guys, is that this life that comes flying at us at, at, at a, a super fast pace, this life that comes flying at us isn't always black or white. And this life that comes at us, we can't always just turn to a letter of the law. Rather, we've got to be able to interpret the law and use good judgment about what God's word says. That's what we're doing. And so Jesus is going to give us three examples of that here over the next three weeks of how it's, it's necessary for us as his followers to have this level of, of good judgment, this level of discernment and uh and that's a that's a big deal. And so so again, let's just start with the first two verses under this umbrella and we'll just look at them this morning. Come back next week or else you're going to think that I just told you not to judge. And, and we're going to we'll get to that next week. So uh, Matthew uh, chapter seven, one and two, it says, do not judge or you, too, will be judged for in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. So what, what does that mean? What is Jesus saying when, when he when he says, uh, don't judge. And let's let's talk about that this morning. I, I want to start with what he's not teaching. OK, Jesus is not. You have to understand this. Or you missed the whole point. Jesus is not teaching that we're not. Uh, you know, he's not teaching. Do not ever uh, judge anything or anyone. That's not what he's teaching. He's not saying never use judgment. That's that's not the teaching. And, and, and I say that to you. Uh, and, and here's why it's so important that we look at things in context. People have read these two verses of the Bible. And they've picked them out of, first of all, they've picked them out of the context of the paragraph. 
They've picked him out of the context of the chapter. And so they haven't looked at the chapter, much less the rest of Scripture. And they've built an entire practice and personal theology upon these two verses of Scripture. And maybe you know these people. They say things like, listen, he who lives in a glass house shouldn't throw stones. Right. And that's kind of their motto for life. And what they're saying is, well, I don't want to be judged. Therefore, I'm not going to judge anyone else. The only problem with that is I would just tell you through experience um, that that. Well, one, I don't know anybody that doesn't judge. So let's start there. So if you're going to say, well, he who lives in a glass house, well, well, listen, you are throwing stones. We all throw stones. We need to understand that. Secondly, I'd say as a Christian, brother, I don't live in a glass house. I don't know what you live in, but I'm a, I'm a child of God, and the kingdom of God is going to withhold all the forces of evil that come up against it, right? So I don't live in a glass house. I don't know about you. Maybe you read a different book than I did. But I'm just going to tell you, So, so, but, but when we take two verses and we build this whole kind of set of theology that we're going to live by, it, it, it's a big problem. And so I, I, don't, I don't want you to think that that's what this passage is saying, because this passage isn't teaching that exactly. This passage is not saying that we should never judge anything or anyone. In fact, it seems to kind of be saying the opposite. This passage, if we read it in context, actually seems to teach that the Christian life requires, get this, right judgment or good judgment. It requires discernment. And if you don't trust me in that, let's just walk contextually through the passage and then I'll take you through some other places in Scripture, okay? Start with verse 5. Verse 5, if you go down, it, Jesus says, you hypocrite, First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So it's saying, don't ever judge. No, it, it's saying, first, judge yourself and, and, and remove what is wrong with you. Remove the greater impeding judgment, which we'll look at next week, which is probably the fact that you judge other sin. Uh, remove that first, and then once you get that out of your life, then why don't you go try to help your brother? But, but implicit in that re- re- response is that there is... This level of which Christians are to help their brothers. And to do that, you've got to have discernment. And so then, then you read on. You, you read the next one. It says, don't give to dogs what is sacred. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. Well, how do you know who a dog is or who a pig is? You've got to have some level of discernment, don't you? And Jesus is teaching that. We expand that out to the New Testament. <coughs> we get to Romans chapter 13. And, and uh, Paul is teaching us about the authorities of which God has placed over us, that all those authorities are given to us by God. They're all used for God, and they were given to us for a reason. Ready? To help us with judgment. That's why, they, that's why we have them, so that we don't have to make all these decisions. But clearly, judgment is a part of life. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. You read 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and Paul is writing the church about this, this immorality that was plaguing the Corinthian church. And, and he says, listen, clearly, in, within the body of the church, within those people that profess to be Christians, there must be a standard and a level of judgment. Okay, There's got to be a level of judgment. So what is it saying? We've got to discern those situations. We've got to discern. We, we've got to use good judgment. I, I, James James, you know, writes, test the spirits, right? Because not every spirit is from God. What is he saying? He says, use judgment, use discretion. Not everything that you hear is from God. There's a whole lot of things wrapped up in the cloak of holiness that aren't holy at all. Use discretion, use judgment. Uh, All throughout the New Testament, we're told to exercise judgment when it comes to the teaching of false teachers, aren't we? 
We're, we're always supposed to hold up the, the teaching of a teacher and put it up next to Scripture and say, okay, is that guy a true teacher of God's Word or is he a false teacher of God's Word? That's not just something that the New Testament believers were supposed to do, friends. Something we're supposed to do today as well. Somebody, you hear somebody on TV, you say, oh, wow, she's a great preacher. Well, that's fine. But is what she's saying lining up with Scripture? Man, he's so encouraging. That's awesome. Well, is what he's saying lining up with Scripture? Let's make sure. Let's make sure. Okay, so, so please don't, don't make your life verse this passage without understanding the greater context of it, okay? I, I don't care if your mission is life, in life is, is truly not to be judgmental of other people. Just understand what Jesus really meant when he said don't be judgmental, okay? Right, if that's still your life first when we're done this morning, that's awesome. But don't base it on a wrong understanding, okay? Because that's not what Jesus is saying. All right, so what is he teaching? What does Jesus mean when he says don't judge? What does he mean? Well, we'll walk through it this morning, okay? Three things. Number one, number one, Jesus... Uh, that should not... Yeah, yeah, what is he teaching against, okay? Jesus is teaching against a spirit of self-righteous condemnation of others. He's teaching against a spirit of self-righteous condemnation of others. When he says, don't judge, this is what he's talking about. He's talking about somebody that is self-righteous and to the point that they're constantly condemning others. And, and, and guys, that's why this, this is extremely dangerous. Perhaps you remember when we talked about murder. Do you remember that? Where's Tom? Did Tom leave? I was going to give Alan hard. You remember we sang that song? Just like murder. Right? You remember that song? All right. It's good stuff. Uh, we were talking about murder. And what is murder? Right? We said the very moment, the very moment that we deem ourselves, that we judge, that we are better than someone else, the very moment that we think we are of more value than they, the door is open for us to get rid of them. That's called murder, folks. Whether you're cutting somebody out of your life or you're physically uh, annihilating them, you go back and you study the, the, the horrors of history and you think about you know Nazi Germany, you think about all the things that happened under Stalin. What, what, what happened with these people, Joseph Coney? What happened with, with these great terrors of our world these people thought they were better than other people and when you think that you're better than somebody else then you can do whatever you want to to somebody else and that's kind of the heart of this jesus is saying don't you ever think that you're better that's what judgment is that's the kind of judgment he's talking about when you elevate yourself and somehow think that you're a saint and everyone else is a sinner brother you've got it wrong You've got it wrong. And guys, this is the kind of thing that we're talking about. It's a spirit. And this is the kind of spirit that Jesus has been trying to teach against throughout the whole Sermon on the Mount. He's constantly kind of drawing these parallels to what? The Pharisees. This is the spirit of the Pharisee. It's self-righteousness. It's this haughty spirit where they look their nose down upon everybody else. And it's displayed perhaps best in the parable that Jesus teaches about the tax collector and the Pharisee. And I want to read that together with you this morning. Uh, the book of Luke, the book of Luke chapter 18, if you want to turn there. It's just a book over Luke chapter 18. And we're going to start in verse 9. And I want you to hear this spirit. I want you, I want you to visually think about it as we read these verses it's the, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Luke 18, starting in verse 9, Jesus says to uh, some whom were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else. That's how it begins. 
So he's speaking to Pharisees. They're confident in their own righteousness. They look down on everybody else. That is their spirit. It's the spirit of judgment. The same one we're talking about in the Sermon on the Mount this morning. To those people, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and he prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, robbers and evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector over here. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector, he stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, rather than the Pharisee, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And that's what Jesus is saying when he says, the measure of what you judge, you will be judged. You exalt yourself, I promise you, you will be humbled. That's what we're talking about. It's the spirit of a Pharisee. And, and here, Jesus warns his disciples, by the way, who were, were men. Okay, He also had followers that were women. Men and women that are just like you and I. And they struggled with this stuff. You remember? The children would come to Jesus and, and they'd say, No, no, no. He's too worthy for these kids. And Jesus is like, Are you kidding me? Let the children come to me. Be blind men. They're crying out for Jesus and they're holding them back. You know, Man, the disciples struggle with this. Walking through Samaria. God, can you just rain down fire from heaven and eliminate these dogs? These half-breeds, these Samaritans? Right? And eventually, John, who says that, is the apostle of love. Right? Okay, and so so we have to understand, Jesus is, is when he talks about judgment, he's talking about that. Number two, uh, when Jesus talks about judgment here, he's teaching against hyper-criticism. He's, he's teaching against hyper-criticism. And you, you've got to see this spirit and how it gets ingrained in us and what it leads to, and this is a bad deal. Now, hear me now. Criticism is not a bad thing. Criticism on its own and, and by itself is not a bad thing. Now, the way that you criticize could be bad. Maybe, maybe you are experiencing or, or you're partaking in hyper-criticism, but criticism can actually be a good thing and a helpful tool because true criticism is never merely destructive in nature. True criticism is never merely destructive in nature, okay? False criticism or hyper-criticism is always destructive, but true criticism isn't. See, true criticism is actually the opposite. Real criticism is about being constructive. It's about building up. It's about encouraging. It's about helping right wrongs and setting people on the right path. That's who Jesus was. That's what Jesus modeled. Think about it with me for a second, okay? Let's walk through some encounters that Jesus had. Uh, The woman at the well. Okay, the woman caught in an adultery, uh, Peter, after his epic fail, right? Peter's epic failure in denial of Christ three times. Now, what did Jesus do in those circumstances? Well, he, he, there was criticism, but it, it was fully constructive. It, it was always constructive. So the woman at the whale comes to him and, 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 uh, and what does he say to her? He, he, he speaks the truth to her. He says, I, I, I know that the man that you're living with is not your husband. In fact, you've had seven of them. And uh, and the one that you're with right now, I mean, basically, you guys are living together. Yeah, Jesus didn't pull any punches. He, he didn't just sugarcoat it, but he, he spoke to her in love. And, and despite all that, he offers her eternal life. 
Despite the fact that this is the portrait of Christ. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus meets people in their sin and he says, I still love you. I don't judge you. I love you. I've got water that will cause you to never thirst again. You hear me? Wow. You think about the woman caught in adultery. That great portrait that's written for us as Jesus bends down and he's riding in the dirt. He says, where have they gone? Who condemns you? No one, sir. And neither do I. Neither do I. She knew her sin. He didn't have to repeat it. He didn't have to look at her and go, hey, half naked lady. Shouldn't have been with that guy. She was so self-aware as she's there. and she, yeah, I don't know what portrait you have, but she was caught in the act of adultery, friends. All right? You typically don't do that fully clothed. And here she is now, not fully clothed in public. She is visibly aware of her sin. And what does Jesus do? He meets her in her sin. Where she is. And, and, and he says, Neither do I condemn you. Go. And what does he say? He says, Here's the truth. And sin no more. There's criticism. Right? But that criticism is constructive. Sister, you don't have to do this. You don't have to be this way. Go and be changed. Go and be changed. What about Peter? Right? Peter denies him three times. Jesus meets him on the beach. Meets him on the beach. And what does he do? He asks him three questions. The same question three times. Ooh, talk about driving home a point. I think by the third one, the spirit of God and the conviction in Peter's life had to be overwhelming to the point. I think Peter's, I, I think he's bawling. I honestly do. Peter, do you love me? Don't you know that I love you? Then feed my sheep. You love me, you know that I love you, then feed my sheep. You love me, you know that I love you, then feed my sheep. What does Jesus do? He lovingly, he meets Peter where he is and he reminds him, listen, you are no longer a fisher of fish. That's not who you are. You're now a fisher of men. Now go be a fisher of men. He restores him right there. What is it? It's criticism, but it's constructive. That's what true criticism is. It's always constructive. Now, what we find in this passage, guys, this is exactly the opposite. You see, when, when this spirit of judgment enters into us, when we start thinking we're better than ourselves, here's the great danger in life. It, 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 it's, it's attractive unto your flesh to be critical. Okay? It's attractive unto your flesh to be critical. You start to criticize others and, and you really get a kick out of it. You get a kick out of it because in your flesh, you're putting down their flesh, which exalts your flesh. And when your flesh is exalted, brother, you feel good about it. And the better you feel about your flesh being exalted, the more it becomes a little bit like a drug. And so now here's the hypercritical person. They walk into a situation secretly hoping and praying that they find faults with another. Because if they find faults with another, they can bring them into the light. Glory, hallelujah. And when they bring other people's faults into the light, they feel so much better about themselves. That's what it means to be hypercritical. When you think of it in that light, if you're somebody that struggles with criticism, and, and not constructive, but the other, you've got to understand the sin nature of this thing, it builds. And, and, and that's what hypercriticism is. Hypercriticism is exactly the opposite of what Jesus did. 
It's the man or woman that judges others. They delight, they enjoy the exercise of criticizing others. They they like to put them down because it makes them feel good. And Jesus says, listen, we can't be that way. Okay. Third, Jesus is teaching against what I like to just, I think the simplest way to identify this is I like to call it, he's teaching against basically the opposite of love. So let's let's go to the love chapter together. First Corinthians 13. And I want you to see something with me. First Corinthians 13. I'll, I'll turn there. If you want to turn there. I'm keeping an eye on the time, I promise. Hey, we started a little late, so I'm just saying I've got it. No, first Corinthians 13, uh, starting in verse four, it says love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. And you walk through that passage and you think about the kind of judgment that Jesus is talking about here. And you say, love is patient. Well, this judgment is anything but that, isn't it? This kind of judgment is a snap judgment. You see somebody, you don't get the whole picture, and you immediately, oh, look at that person. They're such a sinner. It's not patient. It's the opposite of patient. Love is kind. This judgment is nothing uh, of kindness is found in it. You're seeking to destroy others so you can feel good about yourself. That's not kindness. It does not envy. And, and, and this thing, this, this judgment, this hypercriticism, it may have envy at its very core. We may be putting down others because we see things and they have things going on in their life that we can't stand. It doesn't boast. Well, that's the purpose of this kind of judgment. The whole purpose is to boast about our own goodness, to pull others down so we can exalt ourselves, right? That's what we're doing. That, that judgment is boasting. It's the ex- absolute opposite of love. It, it is not rude, Scripture says, but this judgment thinks nothing of others. It's completely rude. It, it is not self-seeking. This, this judgment is the epitome of somebody that's self Self-seeking. It's all about you. It's all about me. That, that's how it teaches. True love's not easily angered, but this kind of judgment is just like a hot temper waiting to explode. You walk into a room and you're looking. You're looking for something to find in somebody. Just waiting to, for, for something to pop up so that you can jump and explode into it. it it's easily angered. True love keeps no record of wrongs. <laughs> And this kind of thing walks around with a journal to record every single little fault and failure of others. True love doesn't delight in evil. This judgment, it delights greatly in finding faults in others. True love always protects and trusts and hopes and perseveres. But this thing just seeks to destroy. It never trusts anyone it has no faith. It has no hope. See, friends, this this is a hard teaching, but I please, 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 please hear me this morning. You, you got to hear this. Because what it means, I, I believe with all my heart, is this kind of spirit, this kind of judgment, this kind of hypercriticism. It may actually be the most unloving, unchristian thing that we can do. It's the opposite of it. It's the opposite of Christ. It's the opposite of who we're called to be. This kind of judgment. So I want you to let that sink in a little bit. It may be the most unloving, unchristian thing that we can do. John 13, Jesus said, By this everyone will know that you're my disciples by your love for one another. Not your judgment, 
for one another, but, but by your love. Okay? Now listen, that should be enough. That should be a portrait. Uh, I'm going to be aware of this. Let me give you these three things very quickly. Just to, to This is a little self-evaluation, what this looks like. Okay? Judgment based on prejudice. Okay? Prejudice is all about personal preference. If you judge things in life based on your personal preference, folks, that includes church services. Hallelujah. We didn't sing enough hymns today. I didn't like the guitar, the drums. I want to do this song. I want to do that song. Guess what? Woohoo! Hypercritical spirit. Do something about it. You're judging based on personal preference. It's not about you. It's not. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. That's how the gospel goes. It's about Jesus Christ. We are here for his glory, not for our own glory. If when it's all said and done, you you didn't live a single day for yourself. Hallelujah. Glory to you. I think you're up in the front, right? Unfortunately, most of us, not so good there. Okay? What else does it look like? It's judgment based on personality. It means somebody is different than us. Right? Well, I, I, you're a quiet person. Man, that pastor, he's just all up over my feet, stepping on my toes. I just don't like that one bit. So loud. Gosh. Just tell me the gospel. Just bam, right there in my face. I don't like that, right? I mean, we do that. We, there are some people in our lives that, that are, uh, you know, maybe some people are real quiet. And we don't like it. They, they creep us out a little bit. They're so quiet. They don't ever say anything. Maybe they're a stalker. I don't know, right? Just we, we're judging based. Now we're, it's all personality based, right? We do that. We see some people out somewhere it, it just based on their personality. We're like, nope, nope. I, that's not the kind of person I want to be around. I mean, they don't need the gospel. Look how baggy their pants are. Gosh. Right? It's, it's judgment. It's hypercritical. Number three. It's judgment based on partial or incomplete information. Okay? That, that's really at the heart of this. You know, based on that, there's only a handful of people that you should ever judge, isn't it? If you've got to have more complete information, we typically make these snap judgments. Boom, 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 boom. It's how we become hypercritical. We judge everybody all the time. And that's what this kind of judgment is. So what do we do? Okay. Oh, my goodness gracious. We've got to do this quick. Application. Three things. Whoo. Can I just say again, we started a hair late. I'm just saying. Nobody's fault. We had technical difficulties. All right. Here we go. Number one. This week, your challenge, practice loving others. Why? Because loving others is the opposite of this thing. Okay. You're going to practice loving others. You're going to stop taking pleasure in other people's mistakes. You're going to love them instead. Right? Love is patient. Are you? Love is kind. Are you? So here's your challenge. Whole church. Everybody on the same page. Ready? This week, every day, I want you to go home and read 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I want you to focus on... The passage we focus on today, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast. I want you to walk through that passage, and here's what you do this week. Every time you see the word love, I want you to replace it with your name, all right? Miss Kathy's on the front row, I'm going to pick on her, okay? Kathy is patient, Kathy is kind, Kathy does not envy, Kathy does not boast. Kathy is not rude, Kathy is not self-seeking. Now, if you're Kathy and you're feeling a little weird that you're talking about yourself in the third person... You can change and remove your name and put I. Right? That's right. <laughs> she said, it's not the Kathy I know. I feel you. That's why I didn't use Jason. All right. Ah, uh, right? And so you read it like this. I am patient. I am kind. I do not envy. I do not boast. 
I do not keep any record of wrongs. Okay? So you read it that way. Maybe after you've read that and you go, ooh, I kind of failed. So then you, you read it this way. I will be patient. I will be kind. I will not envy. I will not boast. I will not keep any record of wrongs. I will trust. I will hope. Right? You walk through the passage every day this week. You got it? That doesn't sound like people that want to change. You got it? All right. Practice loving others. Number two, treat others the way that you want to be treated. We might sum all this up and nip this in the bud right here. It's in the same section of Scripture. Matthew chapter 7. You just go down a little bit. Has the golden rule there, right? What are we supposed to do? Do unto others as we would have them do unto us. And so I, I want to challenge you this week. Do that. You don't want somebody to judge you like that? Then don't judge them that way. Okay? Treat them. Hope in them. Have trust in them. Think about Jesus and the woman at the well. Think about Jesus and Peter. Think about Jesus as the woman caught in the act of adultery. Okay? Number three. I want you to remember this week that we will all stand in judgment. You know, one of the things that uh, will help you occasionally is when you remember that we're all in the same struggle. And one day we will all stand before God and give account. I think that changes things. I think often we kind of forget that. But I'm saved. I'm good. I'm solid. Yet we forget. As Christians, aren't we all called to be teachers? Go and make disciples. I believe that's a command, right? See, we like to, most Christians don't want to think of themselves in the status of a teacher. No, that's only some people. Do you know what scripture says? It says all teachers are held to a higher standard. If all Christians are called to go and make disciples, teaching them to obey everything that you know, then in my opinion, all Christians are teachers. Therefore, all Christians are held to a higher standard. It means judgment will happen. We will be held accountable. This is some of the stuff we're going to be held accountable for. Okay, guys, it's a big deal. It's a big, big, big deal, all right? So I challenge you with that. Learn to love this 